is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, host Brandon, my host Nick and Dan, and gentlemen, the season is officially ended as we concluded in the last pods with you guys. Thank gosh, but instead of just putting a bow in it and walking it away, we got to review it because we're gluttons for punishment. So we're going to do the 2022-2023 men's season review. There will be others. I feel like this leaves Mm -hmm. that door open, Nick. Mm -hmm. There definitely will be. This is going to be done in two parts. First part, we're going to look kind of macro at the season, about all the changes that happened, and kind of give our grades on, on how things went down. The second part, which will be coming on Wednesday, is more of our uh, lighthearted season awards. Although, you know, again, I think if we were if we were being uh, honest with ourselves, Dan, maybe awards isn't the right uh, terminology. Maybe it's just end of season grades or something like that. So uh, this is kind of the two-parter that we're rolling into. Of course, we have to we have to get this done. We have to make sure that we kind of have this for for the history of the pod's sake and that we're uh, we're here for uh, for good times. Yeah, we can't go into the tenth season of the London the Blue podcast without closing this chapter once and for all, particularly as. Today, on the 29th of May, we got the official announcement that Mauricio Pochettino is going to be Chelsea's next manager. It took a little bit of time for the announcement to come across, but I would remind people, we already did the homework much earlier in the month. We have a two-hour special with Sam, CFC Central, and myself. We went through all the reasons why you should be excited, questions you should be asking, players who win, players who miss out because of this appointment. And so... You don't, you don't have to go and spend the whole time talking about it. I know Brandon and Matt are going to get into it later this week, going more in depth about what is going to happen now that Pochettino is officially announced. But it is an opportunity to get a little excited again, particularly at the end of a very unfortunate season, Brandon. Right. Yep. Matt's been all over it. We've gotten a couple from him as well. So glad his uh, prediction came true for his sake. But <laughs> uh, focusing on, on the season at hand, uh, we've got a lot to get into, so uh, kick it off. We we usually do a three word match review. We can do three word season review. Dan, uh, what are we what are we going with? Chelsea's calamitous carnival. There it is. It's a pretty tortured version of a carnival. You, you, not one you want to go to. Not one you want to go to. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely not a, a a fiesta. That's for sure. Nick, what about you? Didn't reach standards. Pretty uh, pretty clear cut there. Well, I mean, not Chelsea standards, but, but, you know, Leeds would have been thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> I went with the hardest transition, uh, and it and it kind of leads me into everything, right? Like, that that last season, the end was wild, right? Like the sanctions, not having Roman Abramovich, just having won the Champions League the season before. Life comes at you fast as a Chelsea fan. Yeah. It felt it felt like last season Dan was the cliffhanger, like at the end of a really good series of TV. Like you, it, your camera pay, fades to black. You're like, holy shit, what just happened? This year it's like season eight of Game and Th- Game of Thrones, where you just you leave unsatisfied, and it's it's not it's not what you want. So definitely wasn't Succession because Succession actually ended in a way that wrapped it up very well. I know I think you're still catching up, Nick, so we won't go into spoilers there, but. Ultimately, there was a lot of, I think almost a more Sopranos ending style where like you left very unfulfilled. It's like, wait, what happened here? What now? Like there was a lot of really good stuff, but boy, oh boy, it just definitely did not leave you satisfied for that six, 12, eight, five years, six years, 10 years after. The- well, um, yeah, I think we can run it kind of back real quick. Shout to Kenji, join us on Patreon. Apple Podcast reviews are rolling in. The Spotify reviews are rolling in. We appreciate all of you for the support. It just helps us get our name out there to other Chelsea fans and would appreciate it if you do it. If you've done one, flip over, do the other. Uh, means a lot to us. So, Clear Lake won the bid. They took over, right? So, this is kind of Clear Lake's first year. Obviously, Todd Bully and Bedad Iqbali are the faces of this ownership group with Bully being, the, I believe, the executive chairman, um, definitely being the one pulling the strings, Clear Lake being the bank. We started late May, finally got the sale done, immediately jumped into a summer tour. The summer tour was pre-planned by the prior 
uh, ownership management team. Um, but what a great opportunity for American owners to bring the team over, except it was insane. LA to Vegas to Charlotte to Orlando, lots of bouncing around. Um, Bully, as you remember, Nick, was flying around the world, having many here for a good meal, mm-hmm. trying to sign players, definitely getting players signed. And it was off. It was off like we were shot out of the cannon. And everything seemed like this was going to be, it is going to be great. Bully got cash. He's ready to burn it. Yeah, it, it was, it was very odd. You know, I think especially as we kind of sit here today and we're, and we're thinking about everything that's happened and, and you start back at the summer tour, Dan, and you remember just how chaotic everything felt, you know, the, the club, had removed the previous management structure, i.e. Marina, Bruce Buck, all those all those sorts of figures. There was a lot of transition happening with current staff like Steve Atkins in the press department, stuff like that. Uh, Thomas Tuchel was being asked to take a more aggressive role in the summer transfer policy because there was no sporting director. If you remember back, Chelsea were trying to get Michael Edwards from Liverpool um, and that didn't happen, obviously, for a slew of reasons. He basically took a year off to be a family. Uh, and then Todd is basically entered into this world that, you know, he's wanted to be a part of, but didn't wholly understand, it felt like. And everything was happening all at once. I mean, that was the that was kind of the, the feeling that we had on the ground, even talking with some of our journalist friends. It was essentially the startup equivalent of trying to rush out your minimum viable product, your MVP, to get something together that worked enough to allow you to press forward, to build confidence, to assess the market, guess, get feedback on is it working, is it not working. And so we eventually got to the point where we were getting like first two cities, like we get Sterling announced in LA, we got Koulibaly announced in Vegas. So there's excitement. I mean, even though it was chaotic, I think there was excitement with this idea of new owners moving quickly, trying to bring in players, trying to reinforce and support the manager, which is a a phrase that we've heard time and time again, Brandon, where people are asking for, hey, we want players to come in who the manager wants, who are going to help us out, even at the point of getting Aubameyang in as well, missing out on a couple other players during the the course of this time, too, because not we did not execute across every player that we went after but it felt like things were moving fast things were you know now that the sale completed things were getting done it just was also you didn't know what order things were happening in i mean honestly that was like the time when things were fine uh at least like to that point the longer they got in there the more things started to kind of take a twist and turn and everything like that but um yeah, I mean, then then we get into the season, right? Where, well, uh, could I could I just stay in the summer really quick and, and not to cut you off? Sure. But like one of the key things that we hadn't mentioned is Thomas Tuchel was not in a good place last summer. A hundred percent for personal reasons and professional reasons. He was being asked to do stuff that he did not want to do. He his press conferences on the summer tour. We were a part of those were uh, bad Mourinho-esque in a lot of ways. And, I mean, we remember talking to Matt and Naz on one of our live shows, and they kind of looked at us and were like, oh, boy, like, this is not (laughs) – this is not good. I mean, he he came out with that now famous quote, we have the same problems because the same players are still here. He had sent a bunch of young players home – from Vegas after not even featuring, but, you know, continuing to, to play Kennedy in our preseason matches. And then in Orlando, we absolutely got smacked by Arsenal four nil. And the team looked nothing like the team that we saw previously that had reached two cup finals, won the club world cup and, and almost pulled off the most miraculous uh, champions league quarterfinal results in Madrid. They looked listless Players looked like they wanted to leave. Everything felt bad. I mean, just just being honest about it. And I think we did our best at that time to kind of communicate that because 
We've seen what bad preseasons have led to before, a la 15-16 season, and and how that can manifest itself. And on the other side, you have this Arsenal team that obviously went on to bottle the league, uh, but played pretty well for most of it. So it, it just wasn't good um, <laughs> at all. And it, and it turns out that you set it up for, for failure, and it's going to fail. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of the players are upset. Seemed like everybody was linked with a, a move away. Um, it was it was very unsettled. There was not a lot of harmony, you know. And we were pitch side, right? We had press passes, pitch side, and uh, there there weren't a lot of smiling faces uh, around the touchlines. They were very much there for their duty, and that made it tough as well. So uh, a tough summer. Uh, and boy, oh boy, did Tuchel leave um, <laughs> Florida with an absolute melter of a press conference. Uh, and uh, they headed back to London. Remember, they played Udinese as well. Mm-hmm. We squeezed that one in, which was weird. Um, and and it just it, it was whatever. There was still hope. There's still optimism. Felt like we had some good signings under our belt. Um, and then we get to the game, right? Kicked off the season one against Everton. Jorginho penalty. Uh, never forget, never forgotten. <laughs> and uh, it it just, it, it was, it was. That Spurs match, that second match yeah. was yeah. utter WWE style chaos. Like it was crazy. Terrible refereeing, the Tuchel Conte handshake that heard around the world. Uh, just shithouse, just terrible. Yeah. And and, and there, it really kind of set the, the tone for the rest of the season Look, overall in the league, we ended up in 12th with a lot of you know. 11 wins, 11 draws, 16 losses. Not good. 44 points. Um, What's PY? Past year? Yeah. Previous year, yeah. Previous year. Fancy. Uh, obviously, we were third last season. But do you remember watching the end of the last match of the day and rooting on Spurs to win? Look, it, the Ugh. end of last season, or the prior season, not the season that just passed, very much had a tale of two halves where the first half of the season, bright, amazing, wonderful football, and then the back half of the season, which was, oh my gosh, this is really, really rough to watch through. I think some people might have been wishing for that style of football <laughs> that they saw at the end of the prior season to drag and drop into this one. But yeah, it was a, to be 30 points less in terms of total position, in the league to basically trade out um, multiple wins, so 10 wins less than the prior season, as just and basically turn all of those into losses. Like that regression is incredible. Like that, that is a historic year over year regression from a team that has perennially been a top four team outside of 2015 16 for basically every opportunity that we had a chance to get in. Well, and I apologize. That was two seasons ago. That was Tuchel's first reign. We were, we were uh, squeaking into top four. Yeah, we got third uh, comfortably for the most part last season. Um, but we were all miles off City and Liverpool. 93 points City, 92 Liverpool. City love a good right-to-the-end run of it, don't they? Uh, and we were on 74 points, like I said. Uh, I just, I don't know. It's just tough. FA Cup lost in the third round to Man City right away, uh, four nothing. You know we're in the the final, losing to Liverpool on pens last season. The League Cup we lost in the third round to Man City again. <laughs> tough two nothing. Tough this time. draws in the old cups this year. <laughs> it is fair. unlucky, but you would have hoped for something. Uh, lost last year's final to Liverpool again, eleven ten on penalties. Massive you know, degradation there. Champions League lost in the quarterfinals to Real Madrid for nothing on aggregate this season. Last year lost in the quarterfinals to Real Madrid five, four aggregate. So at least we were in it last season. Um, and, and those are the high level parts, right? That that's where it all shook out. And I think from Chelsea's standpoint as fans, like that's not good enough, especially coming off of kind of the cup final run that we were under Tuchel, the league, not so great, but this season, nothing went great. Like a little bit of glimmer in the Champions League, beating Dortmund, beating Milan, but like the, that, those are fleeting moments throughout a, a tough season. Um, so if we look at our scores for on-pitch performances, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm at the top of the leaderboard with three out of 10. So 
Wow. I mean, Nick, how did you, how did you get to three? I'm, I'm really intrigued. <laughs> that's, that's a Just individual performances. Like the fact that we have a good young core of players there, you know, seeing Chilwell continue to come back from an injury and persevere, seeing Reese James just be an absolute, you know, monster on the right when he's healthy. I really like the look of West Fafana. I think there's just some moments, right? Um, it wasn't a complete wash, but you know, from a Chelsea standards, it was way low. And I still think three out of 10 is pretty bad for obvious reasons. But, um, you know, there were bright spots at moments, just not many. And I think that the players and whichever staff was there at that moment should get a little bit of credit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not going to give them any at all. I think it was a zero out of 10. I mean, this is so far below standards. Um, and I think the reason that I'm giving it a zero out of 10 is there are multiple times in the season uh, where Chelsea seemingly quit, right, on different managers, on themselves, on their duty to the supporters. Uh, and maybe that's harsh. Maybe if there are players listening to this, they're like, fuck you, Nick. And that's fine. I'm happy to I'm happy to wear that. I just I cannot believe how incredibly bad they were um, all season how inept in front of goal I'll let Dan read out the the highlight here um, how inept in front of goal we were how shambolic the defense was at times how lacking the midfield was at times I mean goalkeeping was probably the highest positional area of the whole team <laughs> and that wasn't you know it wasn't a banner year there either so I mean you kind of just look at it holistically and I just you get zero points and may God have mercy on your souls that's that's kind of where I'm at so the stat you're referencing is actually philosophy putting out that the XG for Chelsea was 50.47 for the season, and we scored 37 goals. Erling Holland scored 36 goals himself. So as we celebrated on the last pod, one thing that didn't happen <laughs> is that uh, didn't score against us and didn't score more than Chelsea as a collective club in the Premier League. And then his expected goal was 32.44, so he overperformed, no surprise. I went with... One out of 10. And I basically gave every competition a point value. So you get maximum of three points in the Premier League, two for each other competition. Um, if you got to the finals of a competition, which is an expectation, I think for Chelsea, you get a full point. If you had gotten to the semis, I would have given you a half point. Um, so that didn't happen across any of the competitions that we were in. So two, four, six uh, points completely off the board. So four was the high. Uh, so th and that was great. Um, and then in the Premier League, um, we didn't finish top four. We didn't win. Um, didn't finish the top half of the table. Like uh, so, I, I basically say that you know you didn't get relegated, so you basically got a point. Because I think to your three-word season review, this is not within the standard that Chelsea should be setting for themselves. And as much as there were one or two really positive moments, the majority of the season, people are happy to see it in the rearview mirror and not ever come back to it again. All right. Well, I mean, can't imagine anyone was expecting rave reviews on that, but like on pitch, it was tough, right? And this really comes back to the players, you know, for the majority of that, like what are they doing on the field? Obviously managers come into it, which we'll touch on here in a second, but first we're going to take our ad break when we get back. Uh, the managerial go around, right? The merry-go-round of managers and, and grades and how we can kind of break that down. Heads up, there was a lot. So thank you to the sponsors and we'll be right back. Take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. That's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. That means if you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us that they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. And if you're anything like me, you break sunglasses a lot, so this is helpful. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence. They have your back long after you make your purchase. Together with their customers, Shady Rays is providing much needed support to nonprofit partners across the U.S. through Shady Rays Impact. 
from building playsets for pediatric cancer patients to providing young adults with MS the outdoor adventure of a lifetime, Shady Rays is making an impact in your community and others like it now and for years to come. If you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back. Shady Rays Memorial Day Sale is live right now. Go to ShadyRays.com and get 35% off all sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. That's right. Go to ShadyRays.com. All right. Managerial merry-go-round. Chelsea cycled through the most managers in a single season. It was tough to watch. It was tough to be there for it. But uh, we kicked off with Tuchel. He lasted six matches into the season. Two wins, one draw, three losses. Best result, beating West Ham 2-1. Worst result, losing to Leeds 3-0. That was, yeah, that was tough. Shocker. Le- Leeds, Leeds are now relegated. Um, I'll just run through the four, and then we can kind of circle back. Uh, Potter brought in on a five-year deal. Didn't even last a full season. 12 wins, eight draws, 11 losses. Best result, beating Milan 3-0. Worst results, dealer's choice. Bruno came in as, or stayed on as interim. No complete grade just because he only had one match in charge. So the draw against Liverpool is what his CV is. Lampard the came in. The only undefeated manager in this season. He did it. Bruno! Ah. <laughs> <He did> <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and uh, survived the website. No, I never got taken off. Lampard. <laughs> Came in as our savior, and it did not happen. Uh, one win, two draws, eight losses. Best result was Chelsea three, born with one. Worst result, Arsenal three, Chelsea one. Um, obviously, there's Champions League, and you know, men are mixed in there for for a couple of them. But Dan, it. Do we think that Arsenal result is worse than the United result? I feel like the Arsenal res- uh, result was more. This is bad football and that the United result was fluky was my feeling. I felt like there was a lot of like fluky goal okay. activity. Again, th- that was just my suggestion for what I thought the, the worst result was. Okay. Uh, Brandon, t- tie break. Any, any thoughts? Uh, you know, I thought about the same thing. I think that Arsenal, there was a little bit of title ramifications. They were flying high. United, it was just like, I mean, you're absolutely shattered at that point anyways. Expectations were like underwater completely at that point. So, um, I mean, you just hope that you could have done something to spoil Arsenal's day. There was a, there's a little bit of hope United, none. It was all bad, but Dan Tuchel, we know what he's like. Then Potter pretty much polar opposites. When you talk about managers, the owner said they wanted someone that was more collaborative. Uh, that was more communicative, uh, that had an idea for a project that wanted to build together and they got Potter. That transition was um, huge. Obviously, to be fair to Potter before that, he had a lot of hype and a lot of excitement around him, right? Apparently, he'd been offered the Tottenham job. He felt like it wasn't the right offer and ended up coming to Chelsea. But he had credit to his name up until that point. Yeah, and you look at where Brighton finished at the end of the season and where Chelsea finished, it the sliding doors moments are going to be crazy for this season. I think on the whole, when it came to that transition, Tuchel, a little bit more animated, built that camaraderie with the supporters over the time. I think it was a question mark for individuals saying like, ah, you know, the football's bad, but we kind of like the guy. Like we kind of feel like he gets Chelsea had to endure some of the, roughest rounds of Q&A in the post-match and pre-match press conferences that any Chelsea manager has had to stare down during, you know, wartime situations, administration conversations. Like, there's just a whole host of things that he had to deal with that not many Chelsea managers will say that they've ever had to deal with. And Potter was just a little more average in everything very measured and responses even though at times nick he was challenged on that and did it in katie of course i get mad like (laughs) um but really never rose to 
the point where there was that same type of connection. There never was that connection between Potter and the supporters for anything really that like foundationally to be built for the future. Yeah, I, I think all these guys uh, underperformed. So just saying that out loud, right? I think everything was bad. Training methods were bad. Uh, team performance was awful. Management decisions were terrible. I think you can make a pretty clear argument that once the first domino falls um, and and maybe you felt like Tuchel was really hard done by at that moment. Um, you know, again, I will emphasize I was in Southampton when we lost the first time to Southampton this year and it was abysmal. There's 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 evidence of you I, being yep, there. I was I was there. So I I think once that first domino falls, the season's going to be a real challenge, uh, especially that early in the season. I think it was. Uh, first week of September, he got sacked. Um, then Potter has to come in and his first managerial, uh, his first game as a manager of Chelsea, I should say, is Champions League game, <laughs> right? Which he's never managed before. He's only watched on TV. And then a World Cup happens and then injuries happen across the board. You know, one of those like, what if moments that I have is like, what if Armando Bray doesn't get injured in the warmups from back from the world cup? How different does the season look potentially? Right. I think it was a Murphy's law season across the board for this team, whatever can go wrong, will go wrong. And that's why I'm kind of giving the grades as follows Tuchel, three points um, because we weren't losing a bunch at that point. Although he had, some destructive behaviors that are well documented. And I think Seb has put out some really interesting threads on him uh, and, and decisions recently. If you want to go read those uh, Potter one point, because we did advance in the champions league um, despite how bad we were domestically and Lampard uh, zero points, just vibes. So that's uh, that's pretty much how I feel. It's it, a macro perspective, Brandon. It was just, fucking awful across the board yeah you know for i don't know if it's the transition it was the you know the accumulation of things going on with tuchel especially you know like last the season previously he was the spokesman you know for the club week in week out and that was brutal and we all kind of defended him but like it all broke in preseason and it could be of like what the owners were asking him to do but like when you divide a locker room into like who's staying, who's going, and then still play those people. It just he he made a couple of like managerial like mistakes that you can't do, and he just never was able to bounce back from it, and so it all fell apart. But and I think what sucks about that is we just needed someone to grab the season by the horns and say this is where we're going, right or wrong, like get in line. And Potter was not that guy. So when they brought Potter in, you knew he was probably a yes guy to the owners. Uh, he just put his hand around everybody. And the problem is the season went sideways. He couldn't motivate them to change. And that was supposed to be his big thing, right? Emotional intelligence, leadership, all these advanced degrees. So it it just, it, it was not there. He was not able to get fired up. And the one time we saw a fake glimpse of fire, it was at like, a fan event? Yeah, we're going to win the like, fucking Champions League. That's yeah, come, yeah, like that's not what we wanted. I want you to sub someone off in the 27th minute and wring their neck. Like show people that that like standards at Chelsea were there. And he didn't, he's unfortunately. A, he's an incredibly nice guy. Frank Lampard's an incredibly nice guy. Uh, Thomas Tuchel, maybe not nice, but respected, right? Like... Um, and I'm not saying he's not a nice person, just not like the nicest, like in-game presence. None of them could get a tune out of these players. And part of the reason why I think we, we've talked ad nauseum about this team and what went wrong and where it went wrong. The players did not raise their standards. Yes. The managers are culpable for mm -hmm. a performance up to a point, right? Because they can't control what happens in between those white lines during those 90 minutes. The players didn't, uh, stand up and, and they weren't counted this year. And if you if you really want the story of how bad Chelsea were and why, those performances that we got week in and week out were just not good enough uh, to, to pass muster. Right. So I went with 
because I think that the score of the season Sorry, and the manager's score. We jumped over you. That's my fault. I know. They have to align. Like to me, they can't they can't diverge because ultimately the managers have the core responsibility for the on pitch performance. And so I have one point to share. And if I look at who actually won with this team at points of the season, I divvied it up between Tuchel and Potter because they to think to the point that was made, like, look, Potter did get us into out of the group stages and into the the head to head rounds of the Champions League. Lampard had some really interesting line of choices for the time that he was here. Uh, thankfully, we did get to see Lewis Hall unleashed for a little bit. That was a nice thing. But just a lot of really unfortunate managerial elements this season that I think contributed to our on-pitch performance. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I went with a couple points for Tuchel, one for Potter. My biggest problem, Potter, is his inability to learn. We did the same thing over and over. It didn't work. Like, as a manager, you have to change and progress. We didn't. Lampard, too. Look, Lampard's a sacrificial lamb. I think, you know, a lot of people said it absolutely took a bullet for the club on this one. Like, it was bad. It was broken. And he was like, you know what? Fine. He put a little bit of his reputation on the line just to smooth it over. And I don't know how much appreciation he's getting for the club for this. But holy smokes, he uh, he definitely calmed things down. I think we all kind of forget how bad it was at the end under Potter and just having Lampard there um, really kept it from going absolutely sideways for the club. Like they owe him a ton. So, I mean, I I, I think I agree with like, PR wise fan sentiment wise. I agree with, I agree with sacrificial lamb. I don't think he did enough to earn that next job and oh of course and i think like for for me part of the thing i said to to dan in our newcastle reviews i hope he i'll be finds a spot in talent identification because i think he he has the potential to be elite at that i'm not sure on pitch management again i'm not his fucking career coach but like i'm not sure on pitch yeah. management is is the thing that's all. yeah no i i agree with that too Right. And, and I think a lot of people have echoed that, you know, because he does know how a Connor Gallagher can be successful in in things like that. So um, I, I don't know. I think he he did a job. The results were terrible. But like, could you imagine if like Bruno had those results to the end of the season? I mean, like thousands of fans would stop turning up to the bridge. I feel like it was just there was there was nothing left. Fans also stopped showing up. To, like some fans already showed up or weren't showing up to the bridge. Like I not I don't, not to the thousands, not to the level. If Bruno would have finished out the season, I, even the lowest expectation of Lampard prior to him coming back for this stint, I, I I don't think he cleared that bar. Like I don't think he cleared the bar in terms of getting any performance whatsoever. The fact that it was one win in what I would say were very winnable games. Um, like, we, we should have been off to safety much sooner. The players and, weren't trying. They had nothing, absolutely nothing to play for, though. I mean, I, I know what you're saying, but I don't think anyone would have walked in there and gotten jack shit out of the team in the situation they were in. I think he made some really bad lineup choices that were unnecessary and turns out the minute you start playing Batty Shield again, we pick up points, even though you had the opportunity to play him a lot. I don't know. We're splitting hairs. It was all fucking bad. So let's no doubt. All true. <laughs> let's move it all on. True. Yeah. Well we're gonna take our last ad break. When we get back, it's uh all about the the transfer business and how Clear Lake did. Tell you what, January was busy. So thank you to sponsors and we'll be right back. Are you missing out on your favorite shows because it's not available in your region? Trying to keep your private time private? Well, let me introduce you to NordVPN. If you're bored of the US Netflix, why not just take it for a spin in the UK? Using NordVPN and a click of a button, you can do just that. No need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN brings it right to you with 5,000 plus servers. No show is out of your reach. Using my link, nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue. You can receive a huge discount on a two-year plan 
with one month free. We all love to binge, but privacy is a big deal too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. They've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there's literally no risk to you with our 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try. And if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll issue a refund and you can pretend the entire situation never happened. Check it out. My link, nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue to get your subscription started today. All right. So transfer business. Uh, we had a lot of departures. They Look, they're busy, Dan. Like all, all being said and done, a ton of players left last summer. Um, some for money, some just terminated the contract. I, the first thing they did was immediately had to figure out what to do with Lukaku. Tuchel had said, nah, don't want him. Wasn't happy with the, what he did last season. Credit to Bully. He didn't question. He just went to work for his manager, and they ended up getting him to Inter Milan. Then they said, now we can build the squad. But until this piece moves, nothing else happens. And then a lot happened off the back of that. Yeah, I think would you just look at the list of individuals who left? We had Timo Werner and Emerson who left. Billy Gilmore left. Uh, Mishi ended up leaving uh, on a permanent. Finally, you had Kennedy leave, and then you had a bunch of people leave on free transfers, right? So people who had left, kind of in that intermediate period between the club being acquired and the end of the you know FIFA calendar year. So Rudiger, Christensen left. Players like Miazga, Musanda, uh, Marcus Alonso all ended up leaving. And then you did have some loans outgoing as well. So Callum Hudson-Odoi, Bob Rockman, Ethan Ampadu, uh, Andre Santos, who we acquired and then uh, let him go back out on loan. That was a little bit later. Um, And then the only really outgoing that happened for the remainder of the period was Jorginho leaving in January to go to Arsenal. And yeah. again, terminating the contracts of Drinkwater and Barkley, which mm-hmm. I think was a good sign, Nick, that the, that the owners were willing to see when it wasn't going to go anywhere. The last regime would have extended and punted somehow again. They're like, nope. And to be fair, it's probably best for the player, too. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think there's some really good business in here. Obviously, losing Rudiger is tragic when you think about how much money we've taken to replace him we could have just given him a, a better deal and saved a bunch of money there right uh lukaku was among the worst transfers that we've ever uh, had and of course it's terrible business but you know getting a tune out of you know timo Werner transfer and and figuring out uh a way to get rid of your batuayes and your sars and your kennedys and and that sort of crew uh, set the table for us to do a lot of business incoming, uh, Dan. <laughs> so I don't know if you want to just take a, take out your scroll and, and read the entire list here, but it's a, it's a hell of a lot of money that we've spent. Yeah, it's, it's stack ranked in the the largest spend to lowest spend. So you had Enzo, West Fofana, Mudrik, Kukurea, Sterling, Badiashil, Koulibaly, Madueke, Gusto. If you remember him, we brought him in as well, but sent him right back to Olympic Lyon. We had Chocomeca, Santos, David Dotro, Fafana, Obama Yang, Joao Felix on a loan, Slonina, and Zakaria coming in on a loan. And yeah, yeah. I mean, you did have two players coming back off of loan in Gallagher and Broya, and then um, that kind of rounds it out. This, this number here on transfer market is 611 euros uh, as of the transfer sums that have been reported. So not a cheap bill, not a cheap meal. That That's uh, I don't know how many Michelin stars that would account to in 30, a conversion table. 30 but Michelin it's stars. a lot. Yeah. The uh, the the big thing here is the January. Right. So obviously try to make a few big but key signings in the summer. We brought in some sporting directors. Things kind of changed, Nick. We heard from insiders that it kind of felt like every new director got a signing in January. And we'll see how it all shakes out. But come this this winter one, young, long contracts mm-hmm. and high potential players. Now, are they all the same? I don't really know. 
It does harken back to the Emanalo days as far as a strategy, get the young, best, promising players and let them you know, develop into their best form. Unfortunately, Chelsea's never done great at letting them develop into their best form. But if, if anything indicates that they're going to try it, it's now. Because those signings, I think there's a couple times we were like sub-24 years old for average age on pitch, and that was with Thiago Silva. So clearly, this would indicate a, a very different strategy yep. moving forward. Yep. So your Enzos, your Mudricks, your Batty Shields, your Matawekes, your Gustos, of course the younger guys like Chukameka, Santos, David Dachra, Fafana, and Slonina kind of make up that core of like 23 and under types that, that exist within the team. And that is a smart strategy, right? Why pay a hundred million for them in three years when you could pay 30 for them now or whatever and, and help them grow into the hundred million pound player or whatever. So there's logic there. Um, yet to be seen if any or all of them work out in the way that we had hoped. Um, I think there's a lot of, a lot left to be determined because the team played so badly this year. But some uh, some bright spots in there for sure. My my personal kind of breakdown of of how we did right. I think the summer signings on paper looked good, but again, the season was so trash that like it didn't work out. We definitely could have should have seen more from Raheem. Definitely could have should have seen more from Kulabali and uh, Abamyang. <laughs> Poor. I actually feel bad for him. And I never thought I'd feel bad for someone with a chrome gold uh, Lamborghini. But turns out, it can happen. Um, so with that being said, from a scoring standpoint, I, I am excited by the January transfer window, right? I think there's a lot of young, exciting players in there. I thought even the Zakaria deal was clever. I thought the Felix deal was not clever. Because even if it turned out great, it was always going to cost a fortune, and so, you know, I think that we signed a lot of, gave Neil Bath a lot of power as well. You think of Cassidy, obviously Salinina's on here, Amari Hutchinson's coming in. I think that there, there was a lot of good business done. The hard part, guys, is we have no idea what this ownership structure is going to do with these players. <laughs> that is the hard part. But when I look at our roster going into next season, if we can get our shit together and put the pieces together, minus a few key signings, I feel pretty good. And if you can get this group to work, it's going to work for a long time. Or you make a lot of money off the back of them. So I actually do think there's some good business in here. The problem, Dan, which is always, who can put these pieces together to make them successful? I don't know. So if you're purely going off of incomings and goings, I give it a six out of 10, mainly because I think there's a lot of talent. But I think we also overpaid and had some bad pricing, especially with the Joao Felix in there as well. That is very complimentary. I Enzo's big. I'm a surprised. Enzo's huge. Look, I think and kudos to that. The, like a lot of teams wanted him in January. I will say, I think there were times where the way we went in and made something happen that we wanted to happen, even through the hesitancy of the other party. That was a positive sign. I think what's maybe concerning is that it seemed like it took Egbali or Bully to be in the room <laughs> to make those deals happen. And again, and they, they have the, the direct. They're the only ones. The that thing have is, the- they they do have the direct <laughs> connection to saying yes to releasing the funds. So that does they give them a little additional power to go in and make the decision and just go. There's not an additional layer of technical director, co-sporting directors that need to go up and ask for permission or say, hey, we're going to go above our our bound. Can we do that? I will say I think you got you didn't you didn't get enough outgoings, but I understand that that was a bit of a challenge with the time window. I think there were still too many players in, in the side at times this year. I think that you brought in three players who are regulars or contributors at this point now. I think you brought in Batty Shield, Enzo Fernandez, Wes Fafana, who are just, they're there, they're contributing, they are going to be a part of the team next season, they'll be either primary starters or they'll be like a, a massive rotation uh, player um, or they'll be competing for a, a position. I think there's a lot of other prospects that we brought in 
who are not finished articles who are going to require coaching. And so I think there's a mixed kind of question mark right now. on like, can we get them to develop to where we think they can? Because if they can, this is great. And we, I would come back and revise it. Like, I think that, like, people give draft grades, right, in the NFL. Like, oh, they, they won the draft. But, like, nobody knows how they're going to project out. It's just some random person's opinion, just like this, on whether or not that we did or didn't hit. And I would say at least right now, we didn't move the needle enough in terms of pushing the entirety of the team forward, both through addition and subtraction. I'm very excited about a couple of players who do have, so I gave it a three. Three is harsh, uh, harsh for me. Uh, I, I went five. Um, I, I think there is some real talent in here. And like a lot of the talent that I think will materialize, your Andre Santos, your Cesar Castade, your Carney Chukameka, maybe your Malo Gusto, maybe Noni Matueke, are yet to really emerge, right? I think they're too young to really be counted as a negative. I think there's some business in here that's brutal and bad. Um, and I think that there is, you know, I think Brandon's pointed out uh, a handful of the really good ones, you know, obviously Enzo. I forgot we got the Reese extension done. I didn't yeah. even put that in there. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's some good business in there. I have it at a five. Um, so just a little less than Brandon, but I think the, the reason I have it as a five and not a seven is because there is some work to do with current players, <clears throat> Mason Mount. Um, that didn't get done in any sort of timely fashion and is now on the precipice of going horribly wrong. If that does go wrong, I, I'm going to drop that rating pretty quickly because it's going to take a lot of money and talent to replace someone like that. And so um, right now it's a five, right? If they get it done, it'll go to a seven. If they don't get it done, it'll go down to the three. That's an unfortunate, yeah, uh, kind of thing haunting and looming as we go. But um, you know, I think overall, where where we want to talk about the football performance, the transfers, the stadium, and everything else into account with this ownership group, because if you think about it, I mean, they did a lot. I mean, they they really did. Like the ambition is high from this group. The soccer. Understanding the landscape, I think, is low, but they're trying and they're willing to throw their weight around when they can. I think they listen to fans as best they can. They want to do right by the club with the stadium and the financials. But at the end of the day, how did they execute against all of those things, against those targets? I think a lot of us have been in those year-end reviews. Hey, here's what we set out to do. Here's where we got. How did you operate and handle the ups and downs throughout the season? I'll tell you what, it turns out you can love bomb me all you want, Nick, because that January transfer window gave me a hell of a lot of hope. Even that much hope, I still lost it all a few months into the second half of the season. Months. And I mean, the Dortmund revitalized it for a day, right? Our trip to London and probably is us being there, like gave a little bit of a boost, but it was all a downhill slide. Um, and so I think operating against you here, Matt and Naz always talking about how they replaced almost every single department in the background, the ground screw, the medical department, uh, scouting data, whatever, probably culinary. We didn't even ask about that. I think for me, that much change is what has kind of sabotaged the on-field success a lot. Too much change for these players who like habit, who like familiarity, and it was all taken away because of that. I think it has to be like, you know, a five out of 10 at most, but I feel like they're still making progress on the big things. Um, stadium, commercial, getting the right people in. They're willing to spend money and hire people, but none of it has come together yet. And it might be a year too soon. We can only hope it's only one year too soon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think for a lot of those reasons, I had, I had a lot of those written down as well. Um, I'm a three out of ten. I think the upheaval was just too much. And I think there were smart decisions that were made, um, but they won't be realized until this season or, or even the following season, right? The upcoming season or the following season. So... Um, you know, I think for that, you know, it's, it's a pretty low grade. Um, 
to to their credit though dan i mean they've they've said as much in club communications too uh part of the you know in the in the statement they made around freezing season ticket prices they acknowledge that this season was not up to standards many of the players even have come out on instagram and said this season's not up to standards now that means fuck all unless you actually go do something about it next season but um i i can't have it higher than a three it was a pretty big disaster when i was thinking about it I went back and looked at the just the results. I was looking back at the data year over year, season over season, evaluating against the players who was who were here. Obviously, we had a lot of injuries as well, which always makes it, I think, challenging to grade full capacity when you're basically missing Golakante for the vast majority of the season. That's never good. Reese James, multiple injuries, and, and out again this year. It came back to not being I think the season that Clear Lake and, and Todd and, and uh Badad would have wanted in terms of a first season in the Premier League and be owning the club. It wasn't the first season under new ownership that I think the players wanted. Definitely not the season the supporters wanted, definitely not the season the managers wanted. So I think for that there were a couple of good things. I mean obviously the work they started to do uh back with Paul Canneville um throughout the season the continued support for the Chelsea Foundation. I know this isn't necessarily the women's recap episode, but the work that they did with the Academy to continue to give us a pipeline of future development. I think the work that they did with the women's team continued to allow them to be empowered to go win again and again and again. I think this is more of like a total holistic grade, and so that's where I think a three is probably right for me. If it was just the men's team... I think it maybe is like a one and a half two. It, it was it was in in recent memory in this in the memory of doing this podcast together. This is the worst season that we've covered, no doubt. And there have been other seasons that are five, six, seven. It's not near any of those seasons, so it has to be low, just comparatively on the scale that we've set for ourselves. Well, I think it hurt more than other seasons is because like the. The, like the bones were there, the talent was there. I think we've had other seasons where we didn't feel like we reloaded at the end of the season and we came in a little lackluster. That was not it this season. So um, unfortunately, it, it will kind of wrap at that. Uh, that's our season review. But we do have awards, <laughs> some of them good awards, some of them not, uh, that we will lock out as well. So you'll have a, a second part to the season reviews. We try to recap it. But let us know what you thought. Again, managers, owners uh the the grades of transfers in and out and and what you thought the whole season was uh, obviously we try to keep it on scale of 10 so use that uh to your point might surprise you because i think none of our scores are anywhere close to that <laughs> but yes we technically were one out of 10 so uh anyways appreciate all of you uh we'll be back ton of content uh player awards and season awards up next until next time Chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high